Down Syndrome Queensland are the peak body for intellectual disability in Queensland. We drive change, support inclusion and are on a quest for equality so that people with intellectual disabilities can take their rightful place as valuable members of the community. Down Syndrome Queensland also provides practical and emotional support, comfort and opportunities to people with intellectual disability, their families and support networks, particularly in regional areas. DSQ supports an inclusive environment for people with an intellectual disability, which allows them to live their best lives. We believe it is important to respect the rights of parents to choose the development path that is best for their loved one. DSQ is here to support them along the way. To find out more about how you can help, to volunteer or to support the work of Down Syndrome Queensland, go to downsyndrome.org.au forward slash QLD. We acknowledge the First Nations people as the traditional custodians of the band we are on today. We acknowledge and pay respect to all elders past, present and emerging. The Now in the Future podcast is an exciting way of sharing members' stories of opportunities, challenges and provide support and expert advice for Down Syndrome community. Down Syndrome Queensland's vision is to support, advocate for empower people with Down Syndrome to take their rightful places as valuable and contributing members of their community both now into the future. Today's episode of the Now in the Future podcast is about unpaid carers and the important role they play in the lives of a person with an intellectual disability. Becoming a carer is not often a choice for many Australians and comes with many challenges. A 2022 survey of carers completed by Carers Australia showed that only 12% of people caring for a person with an intellectual disability felt that they had a choice in whether they wanted to take on this caring role. This survey found that when compared to the average Australian, carers reported poorer well-being, higher levels of psychological distress and worse health outcomes. Loneliness and a lack of social connection was also reported amongst these carers. Lack of formal and informal supports, lack of free time and financial stress all contributed to these statistics. Despite these challenges, carers expressed that they felt that their role as a carer had many positive outcomes too. They said that their role gave them satisfaction, a sense of purpose and meaning, skill development and strength in relationships. Caring for a person with an intellectual disability is a complex experience and many carers don't feel supported in this role. The results of the survey suggested that given good supports, including respite and other informal supports and access to supportive employment, outcome for carers can be much more positive and will strengthen the positive outcomes that carers reported. Our podcast today is a chance for us to talk about the important role of carers, some of the warning signs of carer burnout, and also to let you know of some of the supports that are available for carers in Queensland. So Isabel, maybe it might be good to actually define um, what the role of a carer is. So who is a carer? Interesting thing about being a carer is that some people don't even realise that they may even be a carer. This is particularly true for young carers. The official definition for carer 
is someone who gives care and support to a relative or friend who may have a disability. They may have a medical condition, whether it be terminal or a chronic illness. They might have a mental illness or they might be frail because they are old, known as frail and aged. There are people who look after someone who needs help with their day-to-day living and they are unpaid. There are more than 2.65 million carers in Australia, which means about one in nine people in Australia are carers. People become carers in different ways, and sometimes they might start helping someone out bit by bit. Sometimes it happens suddenly because of an accident or an illness. Carers can also be of any age. So children and adults, young adults, under the age of 25 years of age, are called young carers. There are more than 235,000 young carers in Australia. So, Yuka, one of the things that we hear about in our work sometimes is um, this idea of carer burnout. So, we hear from carers who um, may not even realise that they're reaching carer burnout. So, I think it'd be good for us to at least start with um, a definition um, of carer burnout. Have you got a definition there? As you mentioned before, Isabel, um, the carer's role can be quite a complex experience. Um So, when we're talking about things like carer burnout, um, we are talking about a state of physical, emotional and mental exhaustion. And the definition that's given on the My Cleveland Clinic website is that it can, carer burnout can happen when you dedicate a lot of your time and energy to manage the health and safety of someone else. So, caregivers who experience burnout may feel tired, stressed, withdrawn, anxious and depressed. And it can impact a person in various ways, um, including physically, sociologically, financially, and socially. Um, Burnout can feel like, to give you an example, like a candle that's ran out of a wick. So it doesn't have what it needs to continue to provide light. So it can happen when you don't get the help that you need personally as a carer. So you devote all of your time and energy to helping someone else. Um, And it can also happen when you try to do more than you're able to emotionally, physically, and financially. It's important to remember, Isabel, that your health and well-being um, as a carer matter just as much as the person that you're caring for. So it's important to know the signs and symptoms of care burnout so you can get the help that you need when you're going to need it most to continue to care for the person um, that you're looking after. So when we are talking about care burnout as well, you know, we talking a lot to families about this concept of self-care. Self-care, I think, um, is an idea that people who are in that caring role struggle with. Um, Obviously, when your life is um, taken up by this really important role that you're playing um, to support this person um, that you are caring for, that you no doubt love um, and have a strong connection with, Taking time for yourself um, and doing the self-care that you need in order to maintain your well-being um, is something that will often take a back, is something that will often be on the back burner. So, um, some people for, you know, self-care, I think, um, in in the media at the moment, you know, has that that real idea of, um, you know, being you know, that, that bath um, perhaps with, with some um, music and a book. Um, and that's obviously not everyone's idea of self-care. I personally couldn't think of anything worse than a bath. Um, but, you know, it's thinking about what is going to fill your cup up um, 
and making sure that you're making time for that. And I think it's important to acknowledge as well that uh, it's it's hard, isn't it? You know, you've got if you take that time for yourself, um, you'll oftentimes come back to a situation perhaps that that might be tricky. Um, that maybe you know things haven't been done in the way that you would have done them. Um, is that something that you hear about in your when we speak with families, Yuka? I think so, Isabel. I think it's more just around, like we mentioned before, you know, having that complete focus on that that person that we are supporting, and it is about sort of those moments that we can look after ourselves maybe on a regular basis. So it may even be just if we need to go to the doctor or we need to go to the dentist that we can make time to do that for ourselves. And sometimes we think about, okay, well, if um, if I'm going to have to do those things for myself, who is it that is going to be able to support my person whilst I do some of those things? So it's about asking for help um, and being okay to do that. Um, sometimes we might think that it's selfish that, um, you know, we we asking someone to do something um, in, in our place, I guess, in terms of supporting that person, but it's absolutely okay because we have to make the time to be able to look after ourselves. Um, and I guess it, it, it comes back down to, um, you know, not just some of those things in terms of self-care around, you know, going to the doctor, going to dentist appointments, but also around um, feeling okay that um, we are feeling tired and we are feeling exhausted and, you know, who do we need to link in with when it comes to being able to talk to people about some of those things that are going on for us because it is a complex experience like we have mentioned. So, um, sometimes it is just having a little talk to someone and getting all those feelings out because sometimes it may be difficult to find that right person that we can have that chat to. Um, along with all those other things around eating well, um, keeping healthy and it may be that going for a 10-minute walk is all that we can fit in but at least that's something that we can do to look after ourselves and um, sort of carry out that self-care. And sleep, Yuka. Sleep is and sleep, yes. Sleep what? is very important. I'm definitely not one that can function with little sleep. <laughs> we can for a little while but it, it does catch up with us. So making, I think what you said about, you know, exercise and food, sleep, all of those things are really important to remember and, and to, you know, not, not, you know, put on the back burner for yourself. Make sure that you are meeting those needs. They're, you know, important human needs. Um, I think as well, and what links in with what you were just saying then as well is this idea that um, this idea of perfectionism that carers have, you know, if I could do things perfectly, um, none of these problems would exist. So therefore, it's my fault um, that, you know, things are, are happening in the way that they're happening. And and that's that type of mentality is, is what really exacerbates um, care a burnout and um, makes it worse. So I think understanding that it's not your fault, um, you didn't cause these things, you being more perfect isn't going to fix any of these issues. Um, I think that whole it's all on me mentality isn't the way that um, carers should be looking at it. You know, you can't do everything by yourself. You really do need support from around you. Um, and I think, Isabel, that's a good point because we have to think about things in the long term. We can't always be that one or two people that are going to be providing this ongoing day-to-day -day support for that person for years and years and years to come. 
it's not good, I think, for you as a carer, but also for the person as well, because they maybe rely on you to be that only person providing that support all the time. Mm. Um, so we have to think about, well, what happens when you suddenly get sick and you can't provide that care? Do we have a backup plan? And all of those things might seem really stressful and, and worrying to have to think about. Um, but it all comes back to that sort of future planning, doesn't it? When we're talking about, okay, let's have those things in place. So if something does happen, there is someone else that can look after that person. Um, cause all of that comes comes as part of that care of burnout is that worry and that stress about thinking about, um, well, if I can't do it, then who else is? So, I guess having all of these things in place will make sure that we don't have, um, you know, things like care of burnout happening, but also making sure that, you know, we've set up a really good plan for that person and making sure that person has great supports into the future. Um, one of the important things I think to remember is um, when you are feeling like you are reaching that, that point of care of burnout, um, and for some people, you know, they don't actually realise that they've reached that that point. Um, what we do hear sometimes happens is um, that, you know, you'll be talking to a friend or a colleague or a family member about some of the experiences that you're having and it's only through their shock um, and, you know, that their response to that situation that you realise, oh, well, this, this might not be the norm for most people. Um, so, for a lot of people, they may be reaching that point of care burnout without even realising, um, which I think would be a really scary um, place for carers to be. Um, but, you know, connecting with other carers um, who have had that um, experience, that lived experience of carer burnout is really important. Um, but I think it's really important as well for um, carers to understand um, that whilst it's very much okay to, you know, sit in that uncomfortable feeling of, of being in carer burnout um, and talking about your feelings surrounding that, if you do find yourself in groups where people are sort of, you know, fueling that conversation with you, but not really giving you any solutions, um, any feedback about ways that you can help yourself. Um, that can be quite damaging as well. Um, so, if you are reaching out for help um, and you do need that help and, and that, you know, peer connection is one of the best ways to get that help, make sure that you're listening to the support that you're getting um, and also sort of listening to some of those ideas on, on how you can make it better and um, make sure that you're not in, you know, Facebook groups and things like that. They're very popular. Um, but if you do find yourself in a group where you go in there and you talk about your feelings um, and all you seem to get is negative um, information back and um, that, that woe is me, I guess, attitude, um, perhaps that might not be the best place for you to be sharing those feelings. You know, perhaps you do need to find um, a peer group where Yes, they will listen to those woe is me feelings and, and support you through that and, and, and join you in that space for a little while, but then they will give you some strategies um, and talk about the things that worked for them to sort of help you move on and, and move out of that, that space. And I think if you ha are a carer who has experienced carer burnout, um, remember that as well when you are supporting other people, that it's fine to, you know, sit in that space with them. That's really important, but also give people, you know, the supports that they need to, to make things better. Um, and that's a really important place, you know, coming out of that dark place is, is um, as important as providing that support. So let's now talk about um, ways 
that we can build resilience because resilience isn't a quality that we're born with. It's something that we can build. Um, and it is a lifelong practice as well um, to build that type of resilience. Um, so let's talk a bit now about um, ways that we can build resilience. So one of those ways that we can do that, I guess, is to delegate. Um, you know, which can be at- hard. Which can be hard to do, um, Isabel, particularly when we may not have a big support circle or a support network, it may be tricky to um, delegate some of those things like we talked before. Um, so again, it may be about um, building those connections and having to start from from scratch um, around getting out there within the community, you know, linking in with, you know, I guess organisations like DSQ and Carers Queensland around um, what kind of supports are out there for, um, for carers um, around building some of those connections, whether it be through the support groups or whether it be through um, other networks. And I think if we as well look at the tasks that we're sort of responsible for, whether it be, you know, that a cleaner comes in once a month um, to clean your house for you so you can take that time to, you know, go for go for a walk because we know um, that anxiety and depression sits in our bodies and the best way to metabolise that is through, you know, exercise. So going for a walk can be a fantastic way of metabolising, you know, that anxiety and that depression that we're feeling. So um, thinking outside the square, you know, perhaps, you know, it's, it's tricky for you to delegate maybe some of those caring responsibilities, but what are your other responsibilities that you can care that you can delegate? So, um, cleaning is only one example. Um, what about the mental load that you're holding um, for? You know, the, the family because um, you know you might have other children um, in your family. Um, you may have a partner. Um, perhaps you're responsible at work for a you know a, a high degree of um, responsibility. You know, what are some of the things that you can take off your plate? Um, Um, that you'll feel good about, um, but will also give you a little bit of that space to um, take part, I guess, in in some more of that self-care. And I think that's really important, Isabel, that we are able to stay a family member to that person. So we talk about carer and carer being an unpaid person, but we have to be really careful that we are not just the carer. We are still able to be a parent. We're still able to be a sister or a brother or an uncle or an auntie. I think it's important that they can still have those roles in that person's life. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I think it's important that when we're talking about, as much as we're talking about carers and carer burnout, um, it, that's when we need to ask for that. That dele- We need to delegate. We need to ask for help um, because that's when we need to be able to be there for that person, um, not as a carer, but as a loved one. People can't read our minds, right? Like they they can't know what it is that we're struggling with and they can't know what it is they can do to help. And, and it's one of those really hard things when you're in the moment and everything is building up on you and it, it is too much. It's really hard to sort of vocalise what it is that you need, but it's really important that you do because people aren't going to know. They're not going to know what it is they can take off your plate. Um, You need to be the person to sort of to do that delegation um, and to take that time for yourself. Um, It's so much easier just to do it yourself in a lot of cases, but it's not going to serve you um, going into the future. 
And we just kind of power on, I think, as carers. Yeah. And I, and I think, um, you know, there are, we, we talk about this resilience in terms of, you know, being able to build that resilience. And it may be that resilience, I think, changes, Isabel, because things get thrown at us as carers. Um, you know, it, it might be different year to year from day to day, from week to week. Things might pop up that we're not expecting to happen. And we've just sometimes got to pivot and got to be able to build that resilience. Um, over time in terms of how we sort of build our ability to be able to best support that person. Um, and sometimes we may not know how to do it straight away. We do have to ask for help. We may have to, you know, get some guidance around how best we sort of um, deal with that situation. But, you know, that's that's completely okay as well. There are places that we can reach out to. Um, but as well, it's important to remember that there are you know, your local GP, your family GP, um, they can help you to, um, you know, find medication if you think that's going to be helpful. A therapist, you know, a person who is there, who is just for you. They're not thinking about your caring responsibilities. They're looking at you as a person um, and, and what you need. Because it, it's difficult for us to recognise what it is that we need, especially when we have such an important role. As, as a carer, um, it's difficult for us to really recognise. And this is why, you know, people do find themselves in that carer burnout state because they can't recognise it for themselves. So having that regular touch point with somebody like a therapist, like a GP, um, a, a trusted friend, um, sometimes it could be even, you know, the, the person who serves your coffee to you, you know, twice a week, um, you know, they can see that, you know, things are getting hard and that you are reaching a point where things are getting a little bit tricky, um, you know, and listen. I think listening when those that type of feedback is given to you um, rather than brushing it off and thinking, oh, well, you know, this this is how it has to be. I think one of the things as well is we talk about that time out and that self-care, Isabel, and I guess, you know, we, we hear of things like short-term accommodation or respite, um, which is kind of, I guess, a way in which, um, you know, the carer can spend some time away from their, their loved one. But you know, I guess at the moment we're talking about for the carers in terms of having some time to themselves, but I think it's also important to care well to um, talk about the, the the loved one as well. Maybe they also need a bit of a break in terms of just having that time apart because we all, as I guess families, need that time apart at some stage in our lives, just as a bit of a a way in which we can kind of maybe reset, just spend some time away, get a bit of a break from our family members, which I know sometimes we do. <laughs> Um, and, and that's for all of us. So I think it's okay to be, you know, whether it be just a couple of hours to start off with um, and maybe building up that time because like we talked about, it's it's good to be able to build that independence away from family members um, and that person may really enjoy spending time away with others as well, whether it be friends or support workers or other people, even if it is just for a short period of time. So as much as we talk about carers spending time away, I think it's important for also the person um, or the loved one um, to be able to spend time away um, on their own as well. That's important, I think, across the whole lifespan, you know, whether you're caring for a child or a teenager or a young adult or, you know, perhaps an ageing parent, um, 
being able to build that resilience in order to, you know, be away from the the main carer is so important because you're not going to be able to be there all the time. There are going to be times that you perhaps can't or, or you know, that there might be a social engagement or something that you'd really like to go to. So, you know, expecting that, you know, you're the person that you're caring for is able to go to someone um, or, or be cared by another person when you haven't given them the opportunity to get used to that, I think is actually a really disservice. It's a disservice, I guess, to that person. Um, because I haven't had the chance to build that resilience. And I think it's important as well to realise that different people in our lives know different parts of us. You know, the, what I share with, um, you know, my mum might be different to what I share with my husband, which might be different to what I share with a good friend. Um, so giving your person the opportunity to share different parts of themselves with different people within their lives is really important as well and, and, and can build resilience and um, support with other people. Yep. So resilience for not just yourself as a carer, but also um, for your person, for your loved one in terms of building their resilience as well. So you could care about burnout um, and caring responsibilities is, you know, a, a really complex, it's really nuanced, um, it's a big area. And, you know, this small conversation that we've had here um, is not designed to be medical psychological advice. I think what we're really trying to get from this podcast is for people to sort of sit back and think, oh, you know, maybe I do need a little bit of extra help. Maybe I am reaching a point of care burnout. You know, what is care burnout? Um, you know, having a look at Google and, and seeing what the different definitions are and looking at whether that applies to you um, and taking that time for that self-care in whatever form that is for you. Um, it might be a bath. It might be going for a walk. Um, it might be having two hours where you can, you know, go into the garden with your AirPods and not listen to anyone but, you know, that podcast that you're listening to. Um, finding what it is that fills your cup um, is really important and something that we all need to be doing, especially if you do have um, a really important role like a carer. So you can, why don't we now move on to some of the supports that are available to people in Queensland um, who do identify as carers. So there are a range of different supports available to carers and I guess Carers Queensland have been sort of playing in that space for quite a long time now. So they're the peak body for carers here in Queensland um, and they offer a range of different things um, including uh, NILS program which is the No Interest Loan Scheme and that just provides access to interest-free loans for the purchase of um, essential goods and services. They also have the Carer Health and Wellbeing Program, which are just activities, well, fun activities and events that really focus on your health and wellbeing, but it also allows you to connect with other carers and your local community. So they do that on a regular basis when you sign up to them. They do online as well, don't they? They do. So there are some in-person events um, and online events, and they run workshops around a range of different things as well for carers, but they also do fun things like... um, um, I think they had like a walk in the park and things like that. So they're just little great events that you can join in um, and meet other carers as well. Um, they also do things like care retreats um, and they also provide a guardianship and advocacy program, which is also known as the GAP program. 
which assists carers to navigate um, the Queensland Civil and Administrative Tribunal system. So it's more around um, getting the sort of support and guidance around some of those things that we talked about before, Isabel, around that sort of future planning um, and looking at some of those supports that are available. And I guess it's also important to remember, Isabel, that Carers Queensland uh, uh, work in partnership with the NDIA as part of being the local area coordinators. So um, families might have linked in with them um, to go through that sort of conversation around that person's NDIS plan. Um, so if circumstances have changed for yourself or for the person that you're caring for, um, know that you can contact either Carers Queensland as an LAC or um, the NDIA around having conversations around whether it be additional supports um, and how that might, um, you know, the changes that have gone about and how you can look at getting um, some extra support or help if needed. Carers Queensland also has some um, supports in place for young carers. One of the programs that they have is the Young Carer Pen Pal Program. So that is a program where, you know, as an Australian person, you are linked in with someone from the UK um, and you become a pen pal with them. So you can communicate um, about, you know, some of the things that you're finding in your life as a young carer, um, just, you know, connect as, as um, young carers or just young people in general um, with someone from the UK who sort of gets what where you're coming from and what um, you're going through. So that's an amazing program for young carers because um, we do find that's an area that is a little bit trickier to find supports in. So if you do have someone in your life who is a young carer or if you do identify as a young carer yourself, um, please make sure that you get in touch with Carers Queensland about what they can do to assist um, you in, in your caring responsibilities as a young carer. On the topic of young carers as well, um, there is a program called Little Dreamers. Um, so that is Australia's leading young carer organisations. They support young people across Queensland um, through a range of in-person and online programs. So um, their aim, I guess, is to um, improve the quality of life for young carers um, and siblings and raise awareness for um, you know, one of the more vulnerable um, youth groups in, in Australia. Okay. And there's a range of different things, um, Isabel, that they offer in terms of um, sort of peer support programs, which is probably just as important when it comes to those young carers. Um, holiday programs as well, so um, where um, young carers can sort of all come together maybe during school holidays um, and just have a bit of fun and connect in with other young carers as well um, as a range. And um, also, I guess they've got a whole range of sort of personal development programs and hubs and online um, support programs as well that they offer. Um, so a really great organisation to connect in with um, for those young carers. Um, and I guess the other one is um, when we're looking at sort of young carers and they include um, siblings of people with a disability, so young siblings but also I guess older siblings as well. Um, so Siblings Australia are probably a really great organisation for siblings who are siblings of a person with a disability um, and they offer a range of supports as well, um, again, online and in person. Um, and the organisation was set up by um, a wonderful lady named Kate Strom who um, has developed some really great programs that you can um, jump onto their website and we can um, link the website in our show notes as well. Um, but Siblings Australia run a range of different um, programs and supports and they have a great um, 
resource hub as well on their website um, if you wanted to go and have a look about some of the things that they offer us. And then we, of course, have the Carer Gateway. So the Carer Gateway is an Australian government um, program which provides free services and supports for carers. Um, So they offer a range of counselling support. So if you do find that you um, are reaching that point of care um, burnout or if you just feel like you would like to speak to someone about um, what is going on in your life um, and perhaps, you know, finances are a bit of a struggle um, at the moment, then that that is a free service available um, to carers. Um, So get in touch with them about that. Um, They also provide emergency respite. So if you do find yourself in a situation where um, you need to be away from the person that you're caring for um, in an emergency, they would be the organisation that you would contact um, to organise some emergency respite. Um, the Carer Gateway also has in-person and online peer support groups. So we've talked about how important peer support groups can be um, for people who are carers. Um, so that's a great way to connect with people if you don't have that connection around you. And they also offer tailored support packages um, for people um, to, and they, those support packages are designed to provide you with services and support that are specific to your needs to help you in your caring role. So if you do feel like there are um some supports that you need um, that um, perhaps, you know, finances are a bit of a struggle for, get in touch with the Care Gateway to see um, whether they can support you. Some of the examples of that, um, Isabel, might be things like, you know, getting the cleaner to come to your house like we talked about before um, or um, someone to do your shopping and cooking um, to help you out with that or maybe if you're studying, um, maybe they could help you out with things such as a laptop to support your learning. So they're just a couple of examples of how that might be able to help you. And those packages are tailored to your needs as well. So every caring situation is different. Um, so the kind of benefit that you could get from them, it would be different. So it's a really good idea to chat to them about what's going on for you and, and what some of the financial struggles might be, um, just to see whether they can give you some support. Um, Isabel, I just also wanted to add in there about um, uh, some of the supports and services through Care Gateway. They offer online skills courses to support um, carers' wellbeing and understanding of legal responsibilities relating to the caring role. Um, so they actually have um, a great um, website where they provide um, online courses and it just provides some information, insights and practical tips to help carers develop new understanding and skills important to their caring role. So it's self-paced, it's online. They take about 20 to 40 minutes to um, get through, Um, but they have some really great um, topics that they talk through. So things like um, dealing with stress, like we talked about, um, uh, effective communication techniques, um, social connections and sleep as well. So um, some really great ones to jump on there and just sort of work through if you've got sort of 20 to 40 minutes um, to sort of if you wanted to do some extra learning um, on the Carer Gateway website. So my time is about supporting parents and carers of a, of children with disability. Um, so it's a range of playgroups um, across Queensland. 
um, where you can connect with other people who are also going through what you're going through in your caring role. So again, if you, if you find that your social connections are lacking or you feel like you'd like to expand those, um, you can um, access the My Time website to see if there is a My Time playgroup um, in your area. So the benefit, I think, of those types of playgroups is when you go, you do know that the people that are there do understand that caring side of your um, of your life um, and can provide you with with that with that peer support um, that we've talked about. Um, so that's a really good one to access if you do think that um, that's an area that you would benefit from. Now, if you're supporting someone with a mental health condition, um, there is a carer support organisation specific to that. Um, their name is Arathmi. Um, we have put links in the show notes to all of these um, services that we have mentioned. So please feel free to go through but and click on those. So Isabel, for someone to be able to link in with Arathmi, they, um, the person that they're supporting doesn't have to have a primary condition of having a mental illness. Um, it can be someone who has Down syndrome or an intellectual disability, but also may have an additional diagnosis of mental illness, whether it be depression or anxiety or whatever it might be. Um, so it's great to know about them because they offer 24-hour carer support telephone helplines, um, but they also provide workshops and carer information sessions as well. So um, yeah, it's good to be linked in with them. Um, and they've got a fantastic website as well that provides a bit more information about some of the services and supports that they offer. And then we have the supports that Down Syndrome Queensland can provide. So we're always open to having conversations with carers um, about some of the things that they're finding tricky. Um, our role as the peak body for people with intellectual disability and Down Syndrome is to connect families with the services that they need. So if you, you know, having a particular situation um, and you need to speak with someone, then feel free to get in touch with us and we can connect you um, with the services that we know of. Um, we also have a Facebook group, um, which is a wonderful place um, for families um, of a person with Down syndrome to connect with each other and talk about some of those tricky things um, about, you know, being the carer of a person with Down syndrome. So um, that's a closed Facebook group. So we have to um, allow people into that group. So it's a safe space um, and a good place to, you know, look for recommendations and get support um, for some of life's tricky, tricky moments or not so tricky moments. We also love to hear about, you know, the good things that are going on as well. Thank you today for joining us for our Carers Podcast. We hope you've gotten something out of the information that we've provided you today and some of the supports that carers can link in with. Like Isabel mentioned, if you wanted to link in with us, um, we're more than happy to have a chat with you about, you know, the best kind of supports that you as a carer can link in with um, because we know that there are lots of supports out there. It's just about finding the right one. So thank you again for listening and we'll look forward to you joining us for the next podcast. At the Now in the Future podcast, we'd love to hear your thoughts and questions as a way of continuing to provide essential information for the community. If you have a question or would like any more information on any of our episodes or have any ideas for future episodes, simply send us an email to engagement at downsyndromeqld.org.au. That's engagement at downsyndromeqld.org.au. 
and we'll do our best to provide you with the information you require in one of our upcoming episodes. The Now in the Future podcast aims to support, advocate for and empower people with Down syndrome both now and into the future. You have been listening to the Now and the Future podcast. For more information about this episode and many other topics related to Down syndrome, please visit the Down syndrome Queensland website at downsyndrome.org.au slash QRD. Down syndrome Queensland, supporting people with Down syndrome now and into the future.